Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Happy Hippie Homestead Podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Juba, helping you find happiness and joy on your homesteading journey. Sorry, I'm about to laugh here. Harley Quinn's trying to force me to play with her with a toy while I'm recording this episode, so I will be playing with a toy with Harley Quinn, and hopefully she will stop tripping on things and squeaking it so this audio doesn't suck too bad today. Um, this is episode number 32, and today we're going to be talking about gray water, what gray water is, what gray water isn't, how you can maybe start to harness gray water at your house. If it's something that you're interested in, you can really go down a rabbit hole. I feel like with every episode that I talk about, things I talk about, but I feel like you could really go down a rabbit hole with gray water. So that is completely up to you. Hopefully this will inspire some new thoughts and ideas and you'll learn something about gray water. So we will jump right in. I'm also hoping my cough will kind of stay to a minimum today so I don't have to keep pausing the recording like I did for Monday's episode. I kept having to hit pause over and over and over again to try to stop coughing. So fingers crossed the cough is much better today. Hopefully it's been better so far. So we'll see once we kind of get going. So we'll start with what is gray water? So gray water is relatively clean wastewater that we produce as human beings. So think about the water from your shower, the water from your bathtub if you take a bath, the water from your dishwasher if you have a dishwasher. Oh, now she's playing with her bone, Harley. Um, the water from your washing machine if you haven't used a washing machine as well. I don't know if you've ever thought about what actually happens with that water. Where does it go? What does it do? And so the reason this is considered gray water and it's relatively clean I'm sure your body and your clothes and your dishes might be dirty when you're throwing them through these machines or you're hopping in the shower but if you're using a natural soap or detergent or cleaner of some sort the water's really not that dirty not compared to the water from your toilet when you flush your toilet that's considered black water and so that is something completely different than what we're talking about today. Today, we're talking about relatively clean water that your house produces as a byproduct. And I know I've talked about before that, like nature, you know, water is a part of nature. Nature is abundant. So there is a good amount of water. I have done an episode all about water, which I will link to in the show notes. So while the universe might be abundant, Water is a finite resource, especially because we are mostly water. Human beings are mostly water. So we do need a lot of water, not only for things like sanitation and bathing, but to consume fresh, clean water on a regular basis. So this gray water, what I love so much about the idea of gray water and reusing this gray water is it helps to protect a finite resource. It helps to reuse things within your own home. So we'll kind of get into it a little bit more here. We've talked about what is gray water. Water coming from things like your dishwasher, your shower, your tub, washing machines, 
it, what can you actually use this water for? Because ideally, you don't want to save your shower water and then drink it right after. That is not what I mean by reusing gray water here. You can use this water for irrigation for your garden outside. Maybe you have a bunch of fruit and nut trees that you use this gray water to water your orchard, essentially. You can also use this gray water to flush your toilet. And that will produce the black water that you can't really reuse. What I love so much about this, you don't have to have high-tech, fancy solutions to reuse your gray water. You don't have to dump a ton of money into all this new technology. Like if I want to harness solar power on my property or wind on my property, I'm going to need to invest in quite a bit of technology. But in order to harness the gray water that I'm already producing, it is a lower tech investment. And you can actually retrofit most homes because you might be thinking my home was built in the 1920s or the 1950s 70s insert whenever your home was built we didn't know about gray water and what we could do with it then so what am i supposed to do now so to retrofit your home if that's something you're interested in i recommend there are books out there there are articles on the internet that you can read websites things like that so if you're interested in retrofitting your home, I would do that research. I personally have had a book saved to my Amazon cart. I think at least one, if not two books about gray water and retrofitting your home. I will link to those in the show notes as well. In case you're curious, I have not bought the book yet. I have not read the book yet. I've moved around so many times that I haven't felt like I'm going to stay long enough in a location to retrofit a home for gray water. Um, you might be thinking, well, what if I don't want to retrofit my home because I'm renting or because I'm not going to stay here forever like you? We'll get to that. Some other options you can use for a gray water. So something I did want to bring up, I mentioned that your dishwasher can be considered gray water as well as your kitchen sink water can be considered gray water. There is some debate out there as to whether or not that's gray water or if it's black water instead. So toilet water is 100% black water. You do not want to take your used toilet water and just send it outside to your garden. That is a big no. You don't want to do that. But your dishwasher and kitchen sink water, some people consider that gray water or black water, kind of this fine line in between the two, depending on how much organic material is being washed with the water. So essentially, if you have a house of seven, however, a bunch of people, and maybe they're kids and they're not really great about scraping off whatever leftover food into the compost, and they just throw it in the dishwasher or throw it in the sink, and a lot of that organic material winds up in the sink or in the dishwasher, that's when it possibly can become black water. 
And the reason being that organic material, if it's not treated or filtered or something happens to it, it can grow mold, it can attract fungus, things like that, that you don't necessarily want to send right out into your garden or outside into your, maybe you have a beautiful landscape, you want to water with gray water. So I will say that a lot of people recommend if you want to use dishwasher water and kitchen sink water, that you filter your gray water before you send it outside to try to prevent the diseases, the funguses, the molds going back outside into your garden, that organic material as it starts to decompose. There's nothing wrong with decomposing organic material, but it should wind up in your compost where the sun, the heat, the air works together nicely and kills off the fungus molds, diseases, and creates compost. And then you could feed your garden with that. We don't want to water our garden with non-composted organic material, essentially is what I'm getting at. But I will say some of the easiest things that you can get out into your garden is your shower water, your washing machine water. Those are some of the easiest things. I know in the house that I live in right now, my washing machine and my shower both connect to an outside wall. Like they're right on an outside wall. So if I'm retrofitting my home, that makes it super easy compared to my kitchen sink. It is like in the middle of my house. There's no real direct, easy way to get that water outside. So that for me personally, where I live, the house I live in would be the last thing I'd want to reuse is my kitchen sink water at the moment anyway. So now these systems can be very simple. I've seen some really simple ones where people, if they live in like a two-story house, and they've got a sink upstairs, a shower upstairs that's on an outside wall. They will essentially not drill a hole in the wall, but sort of and run some piping through the wall and run almost a gutter down and let gravity do the work and bring that water down. And if your property is sloped, maybe that water can run directly into the garden. And that to me is super low tech won't require a whole lot. There are ways you can do it more high tech with pumps and to run a pump, you need some sort of electrical, whatever that may be to get the pump going, depending on what you're doing. So it can just be a gravity fed system, depending on where you're taking the water from and where you're trying to get the water to. If gravity does not work in your favor for whatever reason for that, you will need some kind of a pump system. Yet again, I'm going to refer back to the books and the articles that have it spelled out with how you can retrofit your home for this. So something, another really simple option if you do not want to retrofit your house for whatever reason, maybe you are unsure how to even use the gray water, if it's even worth the trouble and the money. What I will say, something that I know I've done in the past is I've taken a five gallon bucket 
And as I'm waiting for the shower to heat up, because for a while I had a traditional size water heater, electric water heater, and it would take one minute, two minutes, whatever it may be to fully heat up because I like to take really, really hot showers. And as that cold water is just running down the drain, not doing anything, there's no soap involved, nothing, just running down the drain. That's number one, that's money running down your drain. Number two, that is a finite resource running down your drain. So I looked at that five gallon bucket within my shower as a way to number one, save money. And number two, save a finite resource. Number three, make use of gray water. See how much I liked it and how passionate I was about it. And I will say that I would easily get two or three gallons. Sometimes if I was distracted while the water was heating up, four or five gallons in this bucket. And so then you might be wondering, well, what the hell do you do with a five gallon bucket sitting in your shower full of freaking water? How do you, how do you do that? Because I'm not going to say I'm lazy, but I wasn't about to walk that five gallon bucket outside to my garden and walk it back in before my next shower. That was too much work. Wasn't going to do that. So what I did instead was I chose to use that to flush my toilet. That was right there, right next to the shower. So it was super easy when it was only two or three gallons in there. But when the five gallon bucket was full, it was a little bit of a pain to pick up from the shower, dump into the toilet bowl. Um, but I really liked the idea of reusing the water and to flush a toilet that way. So you go to the bathroom and when you're done going to the bathroom, instead of hitting the, le the lever, to let the toilet flush, you just dump the water into the toilet bowl and the pressure, the amount of water that goes into the bowl will flush itself. So number one, I was reusing water that was just going down the drain anyway. And number two, I was using less water because it takes less water to flush a toilet that way than it does to press the lever and let the tank go down and fill back up. So I kind of did this as a me being cheap standpoint and because I really liked the idea of helping the environment and saving a valuable resource like water. So I will be honest, I have not done it in my new house. Part of that is because I have a way smaller water heater and my water within 30 seconds, I'm in the shower because it heats up so fast and I get such a small uh, limited amounts of hot water. So I've timed it before I get less than eight minutes of hot water out of my shower. So if I have to wash my hair and shave my legs and everything, I need to be on it or I need to turn the shower off to shave to turn it back off again to rinse off and get all the rest of the shaving cream and um, hair off me. So I have not yet brought back the five-gallon bucket with my new place, but now that I'm talking about it, this is something I think I might do again, even though it does only take 30 seconds for the water to get hot. Those 30 seconds, I might collect half a gallon or a gallon, and in that half a gallon or a gallon, sure, it may not be quite enough to flush my toilet, 
but if I leave that bucket in the shower for two, three, four, five days, I will totally have enough to flush my toilet with after two, three, four, five days, at least a few times. So now that I'm talking about it, I might bring them back, even though my shower does not take nearly as long to fill up. So I'm not recommending that everybody shoves a five gallon bucket in the shower because number one, you may have too small of a shower for that to be practical. Number two, maybe you have a hard time lifting a five gallon bucket with three plus gallons of water in it, especially most of the place, the places that I've done this in have been a tub. So I have to literally lift it all the way up to get it out of the tub and then lift it up to dump the water into the toilet. That's not for everybody. So I think there are plenty of other ways that you can try to make some gray water to help save and reuse some gray water. One of the things you can do, this doesn't reuse gray water necessarily, but instead of running half loads of laundry, you could run a full load of laundry and that would cut back on the amount of gray water that you're dumping back into the sewage system. So just being mindful, if you cannot retrofit your home or do not want to retrofit, retrofit your home for gray water usage, or maybe you do not have the means or the ability or the passion to do something like a five gallon bucket, you can also put a five gallon bucket underneath your kitchen sink, which I know I mentioned could be black water, but you could also put a five gallon bucket underneath your bathroom sinks. And when you go to flush your toilet, pull that bucket out from underneath the sink in the bathroom. Because it doesn't matter if in the bathroom sink you brush your teeth and that's kind of in there. Now, no, don't get me wrong. I would not leave the kitchen sink or bathroom sink water sitting there for two, three, four, five, six weeks. No, you're asking for trouble. But if you want to put it under there and every two or three days flush your toilet with it, I think that that's another way that you can reuse some gray water and save water, which is a finite resource. So you can be creative with this and with what you want it to be or not to be. So even if you don't reuse your gray water to flush your toilet or water your garden, you can at least be more conscious. For me personally, I don't have a dishwasher and I have to hand wash all my dishes because I don't like to buy the types of dishes that you just throw away. That's not my thing, the paper products or the plastic products. So I use the dishes and I have to wash them by hand. And I sometimes in the beginning didn't really think about turning the water off as I'm washing dishes. Like I would just kind of leave the water running because you're using it quite a bit, but you're also wasting quite a bit of water that way. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't turn the water off every five seconds on myself, <sighs> but if I know I'm really scrubbing a pan out, I'm turning the water off. And then when I'm ready to rinse the pan, I'm turning the water back on and just saving those few seconds, even if it's 10, 15, 20, 30 seconds of water, you're now producing that much less gray water that's going back into the sewage system. 
So why am I hyping on gray water? I've mentioned water is a finite resource. I've also, I think gray water can help you save on cost. So it's not only an environmental standpoint, but it's a cost effective standpoint. If you are into gardening or maybe you love landscaping, maybe you water your grass. If you're watering these things, that's costing you money. But if you could figure out a way to let your shower and your dishwasher, and not dishwasher, could do dishwasher, but washing machine, water all that for you and save you a bunch of money, I'm all for that. I think that is absolutely amazing. And it is a great system and one that I'm very, very excited about, one that I am super passionate about what you can do with gray water, the potential that's there. So I will link to the books that I have saved to my Amazon cart. If you're curious about what you can do with gray water, how you can retrofit your home, there are ways to reuse gray water without retrofitting your home. So you can definitely look some other ways up to reuse gray water, or at least become more conscious of what you're doing with the gray water. How much are you producing of gray water? How much, how much water is just going down the drain without any soap or detergent and anything in it? I will mention if you want to use gray water to water your garden outside or any kind of plants, you need to make sure that you're using I mentioned before natural soaps, detergents, that type of thing, but I wanted to touch on that quickly, what I mean by that. So a lot of the soaps, detergents, conditioners, shampoos, whatever it is that you're using, cleaners even, cleaning products, they're not natural and they're not good for you. And that's going to be very hard for some people to hear. Because you might be thinking, well, it's a cleaning product, or it's a Tide Pod, or it's a detergent. It's, I'm not ingesting it, so what's the big deal? So even if you're not ingesting these chemicals, they're not good to be around. Not only from a smelling standpoint, but what detergent you're using goes on your clothes, which then go on your skin. Same thing with soap. You may not realize, sure, the soap's not going inside your body where you're eating your soap, but your skin is an organ. Your skin is the biggest organ you have because it covers your whole body. Your skin has pores. And so what conditioner, shampoo, soap that you're using, you're putting on your skin this can even go as far as to lotions and everything else. What you put on your skin is what your body is absorbing and taking in. And so if you're using things that are not good for you, I don't even want to go too far down that rabbit hole that there are lotions and soaps and things being sold to us, cleaners, detergents, you name it that cause cancer and they're putting that out there they're selling it to you they are marketing it to you they are making you addicted 
to the sense, to the feeling you get when you put this lotion on. And I just want to preface here. I, don't, I guess I'm not sure how far to go down the rabbit hole. So you should be using natural cleaners, sho soaps, shampoos, conditioners, detergents. And not only if you want to use gray water to water your garden, because that's the stuff that's good for the environment are the natural cleaners, the natural soaps and detergents. So if you want to use gray water in this way, you need to use this natural stuff. But if you don't want to use gray water in this way, you also need to be using natural soaps and detergents, shampoo, conditioner, all of it. Because if you're not doing that, you are literally damaging your body. You are damaging your health. So I want you to think about your whatever you put on your skin, whether that's if you use lotion maybe, but definitely your soap, shampoo, conditioner, the laundry detergent you use that gets on your clothes, that gets on your skin, even the cleaners that wind up on your skin. I want you to read the labels. Like I've mentioned before with the food that you eat, I want you to read the labels. I challenge you to read the labels because it's hard, because it's not easy, and it is not what everybody's doing. Read the label. And if there are things in the cleaners, in the detergents, the shampoos, the conditioners, if there are things in there that you're reading and you can't pronounce, and they're these big, long, crazy, scary-looking words that probably should not be going on your skin, just like it should probably not be going in your body in the form of food. Now, you can look up all different types of cancer-causing ingredients that are in all of these products. And they're out there. There's no warning labels that this product contains seven different cancer-causing ingredients. No, because we're in America and they don't really care. They're selling you their product and you're paying them money. And they're going to use your money to market it back to you, to get you addicted to their stuff. So yes, the more natural stuff can be more expensive. It doesn't have to be, but it can be more expensive. But what is the price of your health? Can you put a dollar sign on that? I'm not sure. And I'm not sure what the dollar sign is. I know I've had a hard time. Like I love the smells of Bath and Body Works soaps. And you can get some really good deals sometimes and get them a hell of cheap. So I would go when they had the really great sales and stock up for like six months to a year at a time. But the Bath and Body Works soaps have some of these cancer-causing ingredients in there. Now, does that mean I threw away all of my Bath and Body Works soaps that I had stockpiled up? No, because I am frugal and I do want to live within my means and I do want to take care of myself and the environment at the same time though. So I'm finally on my last two bottles of Bath and Body Works soap and after that I will be buying it no more. 
I will be finding a natural alternative that also smells good. And I know it will not smell exactly like Bath and Body Works, but it's going to be better for me. It's going to be better for my body. And that's what I'm looking forward to. I know for I've been on a rabbit hole with the shampoos and conditioners that I put on my hair, in my hair. I've gone down the rabbit hole and I try to find shampoos and conditioners that do not have all these cancer causing ingredients in it. So I recommend that you do the same thing. You don't have to wait till you buy it at the store next time. Do it right now while you're thinking about it. While this episode is going, go into your kitchen, go into your bathroom and read what's on the label. And then do your research. Are there cancer-causing ingredients? Is this a cancer-causing ingredient? Is this a cancer? Or look up the top 10 most cancer-causing ingredients found in soap and see what comes up. Your health is important. So we definitely kind of ran away from gray water here for a little bit. But that's because this is important and relates to using gray water. If you plan on using gray water outside to water your garden, landscaping, lawn, you want and need to be using these natural products. But for your health, you should be using these natural products anyway. If you have not been on a kick with this yet, something I might do at some point is a whole other episode on natural products, good brands that do not have these cancer-causing ingredients that you can buy at most stores. And I would also, for me being frugal and kind of cheap, I would love to do in that episode maybe like a price comparison, natural soap versus not natural soap, some of the best prices you can find around. So stand by for natural skincare products. I will see what I can find to make it into an episode for everybody. So I hope you enjoyed this about gray water and the little tangent there about going natural with all the products that you're using in your home. So nature is abundant, but water is finite. You can reuse gray water, but you can make that look however you want to make it look. So even if that's just a five-gallon bucket in your shower or under some of your sinks and you flush the toilet with that, Maybe you retrofit your home because now you're obsessed with gray water. That's amazing too. I'll link to some books for that. Gray water is relatively clean wastewater. You can use it for a lot of things like flushing your toilet and watering outside. And I want to leave you with this thought. What if we all used our gray water? What if instead of flushing all of our gray water into the sewer system what if we all used that within our home to flush our toilets to water our garden why are homes not being designed this way new homes that are being produced and built today why are more people not talking about gray water because it's better for the environment. It takes a load off the sewage system. It saves you money 
in the long run because you're not wasting a bunch of water. What if everybody was using their gray water? And maybe you don't want to use your gray water. Maybe you never, ever want to have a garden. But what if your neighbor has a massive garden and wants to use your gray water as well as their gray water? How cool would that be? And maybe in exchange, not only are you watering their garden, you're saving some money maybe, you're helping them save money, definitely. But what if in exchange for your water, your gray water that you didn't do anything with anyway, your neighbor gave you some fresh produce? How cool would that be to see things come full circle like that? The water you're not using anyway while your shower heats up is going outside to grow some beautiful plants that will then come inside and you get to eat and nourish your body in a healthy way. That's full circle. That's permaculture. There's so much to this. So I'm addicted to gray water. I think it's an amazing thing that we need to be talking about more like permaculture we need to all be talking about that more because there's so many solutions to so many problems hello droughts that a lot of areas have experienced this year what if people could be watering their gardens with the gray water they're using anyway every day what could that do for the environment? Like, what could that do? I think the sky is the limit. So I will say thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Happy Hippie Homestead podcast. We will put out great content every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So stay tuned Friday for something completely different that I'm also passionate about. Feel free to like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. We're trying to boost our followings across the board. And feel free to share these episodes with anybody that you think may want or need to hear them. I'm trying to get the message out as far and wide as possible because I love making these podcast episodes. And I would love to do more of this full time. I would love to interview people coming up here in the future. I've got at least one or two in mind to do some interviews with. So stay tuned for a lot more great content and we'll catch you next time.